Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am thrilled that you're here with us today. We've got a really cool show if you're interested in getting back your valuable time. Um, somebody that I've known for a while, have a ton of respect for him. Excited to have Tim on the show. But before I bring Tim in, you guys know that last time uh, we had a situation where Dean's Noble Steed was actually like lame and couldn't bring him into the studio. I am happy to announce Dean is riding into the studio today on his noble white steed. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, the Mr. Dean Holland. Oh, yes. No stopping me now. Steed intact. <laughs> How's it going, <laughs> man? Mr. James. Excellent. I, uh, I'm excited for this show. I've been, I know we, uh, we tried to record this one once before and had a little bit of an issue, and I was very disappointed. So I'm glad we're doing this. Tim, welcome to the melee. Thank you. Can I be on the chariot that's behind the steed? I don't know that you want to be. It kind of <laughs> might be a bad idea, actually. Maybe <laughs> riding alongside the steed or in front, perhaps behind. I think you might regret that later on. <laughs> that's, that's, Pleasure that's to be here. You. <laughs> <laughs> I want to dig into so many things with you. But for those people who don't know Tim Francis, he is really an expert at helping people find an assistant. And you know, one of the things that I believe that's true, as soon as your business starts growing, you need help. And there's a ton of people who are out there saying, oh, you just got to hustle and grind and you know, just work all these hours that are crazy. And it's one, it's not healthy. Two, it's not productive. And so I love people like Tim who actually look at things from an intelligent point of view and say, hey, how can we actually grow this business in a way that makes sense? And so Tim, I would love for you to kind of just dig into where this all started for you. Like, Why did you decide to help people find assistance and understand the mentality that doing everything themselves all the time is not always the best idea? I think it's because I screwed it up a lot for like five years. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the best reason, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In 2008, geez, it's over 10 years ago now, I read the 4-Hour Workweek and I thought, oh, great. All I got to do is just go overseas, hire someone from a third world. <laughs> four bucks an hour, 10 bucks an hour, whatever, I'm good to go. That did not work out for a lot of reasons. And I think like the easy thing to blame would be the assistant. And actually my assistant was amazing. She was really kind, talented, great English, even though you know she was in India. Uh, she had great English. Ultimately, it fell apart because of a lot of other reasons. So first of all, the relationship ended when she just disappeared. So there's nothing wrong with her. However, because of the way that infrastructure and the political climate of India runs, there's a disagreement between the political representative for her jurisdiction and like some other political representative. Now, the problem is that that other political representative actually controlled the electricity and wanted to kind of like send a message. So he actually had the electricity turned off to my assistant's neighborhood 
And so then she went offline. She had no internet. She had no computer for seven days. When I share that story, the number of entrepreneurs who said, oh my God, I totally know what you're talking about. My assistant disappeared because of a tsunami or some kind of a weather system or, you know, not that weather, weather can't happen in North America, but our ability to bounce back in the first world and be back online is, is far greater. And then, you know, political uprising. I've, I've heard of assistants needing to like flee cities and even like villages and countries because there's like mercenary action. And it's like, I just listened to the list of issues and that's not even getting into the, the challenges because of radically different time zones, cultures, mm-hmm. uh, or language issues. So it's kind of like, even if you had someone who was an incredibly talented person, incredibly dedicated to your business, the environment that they're in politically, economically, on and on and on, is just, it presents so many challenges and frustrations that just don't need to be there. So I noticed all of that. And then I also noticed that for me, that it was actually the wrong timing for me to get an assistant. I just wasn't far enough along on my journey to justify getting an assistant. So I realized I was a second error. A third error was that I thought that if I just got an assistant, it was like winning a lottery and they would just swoop in and everything would be perfect and I wouldn't have to step in at all. And that's when I realized that getting an assistant and keeping an assistant are two radically different conversations. They're related, but different. And it's one thing to know how to have like a hiring funnel and have, you know, get the right number of candidates coming in, getting 50 to 100 candidates to come down to one final or three finalists, get one winner. It's something completely different though, to say, how do I unpack my brain to delegate the first three tasks? How do I delegate that task in such a way that it's not a boomerang task that comes back to me five times before it's done? How can I delegate it kind of once and once and for all and get it off my plate? And then also how do I need to manage this person on an ongoing basis? What is it that I need to do as a leader to not only delegate the task, but also be there on an ongoing basis? Because as my business evolves, my assistant needs to be the second half of my brain. And only by taking the approach of I'm going to hire someone who's similar, same time zone, similar, same culture, same first language, which for me, and being in Canada and the United States, that means someone from Canada and the United States. If someone's like in Australia or New Zealand, get someone from Australia or New Zealand. And as soon as I did that, plus I flipped my thinking from, I want to talk to this person as little as possible, only by email, once a month, like at arm's length to going like, no, 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 I'm going to do the polar opposite. I'm going to give them every bit of training that they need in the first you know, month. I'm going to like, they are my number one priority. I'm then going to be very thorough in my delegation And I invented something called 360 Delegation to help with that. All of a sudden, I realized I could become the surgeon in the room. Like a surgeon doesn't clean the room, book the nurses, book, you know, order the supplies, prep the room, and then afterwards, clean the room, put away the tools, take care of paperwork and any kind of financing or whatever. Like the surgeon does one thing. The surgeon comes in, they bring their high-level skill, strategy, and high-level access to different people and whatnot. They make the difference and then they move on to the next surgery room. And the medical community has this figured out. That is such a completely different level to perform and compete and contribute at than saying like, well, I'm just going to have an assistant five hours a month that I kind of don't want to have to deal with them. And they just got to make me some money magically as if unicorns are going to fly out of the sky. Like there's just such a radical difference between kind of dipping your toe and 
actually getting a great assistant and getting to the place where you've got someone who's like the your Donna. Like if you've seen the show Suits, like someone who's your Donna, someone who predicts what you need, is your mini-me. Since my epiphany, which was uh, six years ago, so I did it wrong for five and a half years and I've now done it right for six years, I started helping entrepreneurs with it. And there was such a demand. There's so many people who have had the bad experience and now they want to get like the real experience even if it's more time, energy, and money, I started a company called Great Assistant. I now have 17 members. We've hired over 250 assistants for clients around the United States and in Canada. And it has been eye-opening, absolutely eye-opening to see just how different real success looks like compared to quote-unquote successes advertised like, oh, just get an assistant and everything will be great. I think there's a ton of stuff there that we need to unpack. You gave some really good analogies there. So are you trying to suggest here, Tim, that you can't just decide to get an assistant, hire one in a week, never train them, and just walk away happy? Is that, is that, <laughs> right? You I'm might say that. Here. Is that kind of right? Yeah, that's a lot of right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I just wanted to be clear, just, just so I got it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you did clear that up because I think that is what most people think. It's just like most people think hiring an assistant is... Just somebody walks in, you just throw a bunch of shit at them, and then you're good to go. Well, well, I said that because I joke, but in reality, like something you said early on there, Tim, like really resonated with me because I remember years ago, I got to the stage and I was like, I did the same thing. I read the four hour work week. I think probably so many people have done that. And it's like, oh, I need an assistant. That's what I need. And so I, I went to one of the like freelancer sites. I'm like, yes, I need an assistant. I had all these things in my brain that I'm thinking, they're just going to immediately come in and take all this stuff off my plate. And they can just get started right away. And so I did it. I found someone, hired them. And all of a sudden, the cracks began to appear. It was like, oh, wait, you don't just know how to do everything I want you to do. There is going to be more involved. And it, I, I just got it completely wrong. So I resonated so much with the things you just said. Well, one of the things that Dean wanted his assistant to do was actually walk right behind the noble steed and pick up after him the whole time. <laughs> right. And that was probably one of the reasons it didn't work out. that too. Oddly, one of the things that you said, Tim, really resonated with me. Like, I've been waiting for Dean to get washed out to see in a tsunami, but it still hasn't happened. <laughs> but it just keeps so, putting up. Yeah, he just keeps showing up. Like, he's got, we got to get him out of the UK and into one of those places that you talked about. All kidding aside, let's unpack some of the things that you mentioned there. You mentioned setting things up to be delegated properly. Can you talk a little bit about that and what kind of frameworks that you have for people to be able to do that effectively? Yeah, absolutely. And a bunch of what I'm about to mention, like if people, if they're driving and they're nervous and they want to take notes, like, don't worry, I've got a URL you can go to and it's kind of all on one page. So it's easy to find. Uh, and we can announce that maybe at the end of the show. So first of all, figuring out what to delegate actually comes before saying, here's how to delegate. So a lot of people will take the approach of like, I want to delegate email marketing or my email inbox. And they'll, they'll, it'll be this huge chunk. And the thing is, is it's so vague and undistinguished and overwhelming, it, it would actually be impossible for someone else to do that. Like imagine it's five or 10 or 15 years ago when you were first, or even two years ago, when you're first starting your entrepreneur journey, if the situation is flipped and someone just said, hi, I want you, even though you have no experience running my email inbox, I want you to come and run it for me. You would look at it with big eyes, like eyes as big as saucers. You go like, oh, I don't know where to start. Well, guess what? Now that you're in the other role, it's the exact same thing. So what I suggest folks do is, first of all, is unpack the task into smaller chunks. 
and understand that there's actually like a different strata of the kinds of things you can delegate. So there's simple tasks. An example of a simple task that you could delegate would be like send an invoice for me or upload a podcast episode or upload a blog post. Then from there, the next degree of difficulty up from that is a simple decision. And so a simple decision is something where the person has to make a little bit of a choice. And I think a good example of that is like booking an Airbnb for me if I'm going to go travel somewhere or booking a hotel for me. I think the next level of difficulty up from that is a hard decision. Believe it or not, booking flights is actually a very hard decision because there's a lot of if this than that. Is it more important that you have aisle in a row or is it more important that you buy with points versus cash on a credit card? Are there certain airlines you hate? Is there a time of day you want to fly? Like it just goes on and on and on. And what's the hierarchy of what's the most important thing than the second most important thing? I would call that a hard decision. And then the highest level to delegate is what's called an outcome. And so my executive assistant in her third year working with me, she joined me at an event that we did with Perry Marshall up in Canada. And she kind of rode shotgun and watched how I did everything. And then in the following year, she was the one who actually ran the event. And I gave her a $31,000 budget. And I said, I'd like an event in downtown San Diego. This is the kind of venue I'd like it to be at. Here's the kind of the experience I want for people to have like lanyards and pens and notebooks and whatnot. And you guys, she came within 1.6% of the budget and the event was spectacular. It got a near 100% uh, attendee rating. So you don't start with the outcome, you get yourself into trouble. You don't start with delegating hard decisions or even simple decisions. Start with delegating the, the simple tasks and graduate yourself up. And you're able to do what I call task stacking, where you can take related tasks next to each other teach those one at a time. And then eventually you can wrap them all up and say, oh, I just want to have an event. And your assistant already understands all the subparts. So I think that's one thing to know is unpacking. The second thing is to understand instead of like, almost have to take like a 90 degree turn on this. Like instead of saying email is one vertical and website is another vertical and marketing is another vertical you actually need to to flip it 90 degrees and almost look at it horizontally and say, well, it's not that there's email and website and marketing and sales or whatnot. It's that there's actually, if we flip 90 degrees, there's levels of difficulty. And so a surgeon, and this is exactly what I want entrepreneurs to focus on is just these three things. How can you do the strategy, high-level skill, high-level access, And then we draw a delegation line in any of those categories, sales, marketing, or website, you know, email marketing, whatever, however you want to split that up below the delegation line, anything that is set up, maintenance, coordination, tech support, customer support, errands, basic tasks, anything that's in that ballpark, anything that's not strategy, high-level skill, high-level access, that we got to get that off your plate ASAP because When we talk about doing the top 20% work or the high value work, it's all up in that strategy, high level skill, high level access area. So when we can look at a situation, realize there's different levels of difficulty, maybe your assistant is helping with website and marketing and sales and is helping across the business, but you're giving them the right level of difficulty that's below that delegation line. And then the third and final part is now that we've identified the right task to hand off, we got to get it, we got to package it up in a way that they can understand. And so I invented something called 360 delegation. And 360 delegation is three parts. 
we explain our vision, the resources required, and the definition of done. And so the vision would be things like, here's what I want done. Here's the important timelines and milestones along the way. Most crucially is here's a sample of success. So if you want your assistant to send an invoice on your behalf, show them a successful invoice from last month. If you want them to upload a blog post, show them a successful blog post, whatever it is you want them to do and show them a sample of success. If you can't show them a sample of success, there's a good chance you shouldn't be delegating that because you haven't done the surgeon work yet for them to do the below the line work. Delegate the things you know how to do, be clear in the vision, then from there, get into the resources. And I've got a whole checklist. It's probably about two dozen items that you can think through. And that would be like, so the question is, what resources would your assistant need to be successful? Do they need a username and a password? Do they need some training? Do they need access to an outside consultant? Do they need some money? Do they need some decision-making authority? There's a whole list of a couple dozen items involved in that resources section. And the thirdly is definition of done. How do we know this thing is complete? Do I have to sign off on it before it goes live? Does a client have to sign off on it before it goes live? Do I need to double check the work before we distribute it? Once we complete it, do we need to store it somewhere so that we can pull that image and edit it for next year? Like what is definition of done look like? And when we can find the right task, get it packaged up to 360 delegation and hand it to an assistant, you will be astounded how fast your assistant picks things up. Stuff that used to take months and months and months to get off your plate are gone from your plate within a matter of weeks, maybe even days. And now you actually can get the freedom that you were hoping for in the first place. Would you agree then, just so I'm clear on this, does all this preparation and planning and and all this side of things, does this happen prior to even seeking out an assistant or is this once you have them? It's not an either or, it's kind of a both and. So when I'm taking the approach to hiring an assistant, the first thing that I'm doing is I'm getting a vision for what are the kinds of things I want coming off my plate. Then from there, I'm taking that vision to then get a sense of the kinds of things that I would delegate. And I use that to to build the job posting. And then I put that job posting up and I know that it's going to take a few weeks to have the volume of applicants coming in that I'm looking for. And so I get that up live. And while that's running, now I can start getting like kind of getting more refined and actually putting things into 360 delegation. So there's kind of like a parallel processing. While one thing is happening, I can do the other. So we can get that assistant not just hired, but also have tasks ready for them come their very first day of working for me. And together we can hit the ground running. So you mentioned earlier, one of your mistakes that you made was hiring somebody before you were really ready to hire somebody. How do you know when the right time to do that is? Because I think that goes hand in hand with what Dean was just asking you. There's, I think timing is a big question and that's really important. And when people call in to ask us about our program, that's one of the top three concerns we actually have is that the timing isn't quite right. That's not to put fear in anyone's minds, but it's just, you know, it's something to be sensitive to, to be thoughtful about. So I got my first assistant too early. I didn't have enough surgery. I'm just going to keep writing that analogy. I didn't have enough skill in my own business. I didn't know what made money. I didn't know how to really do my business. And it was only once I'd probably hit, I don't know, maybe $70,000, $80,000 in revenue. At the time I had a marketing, I was a marketing consultant and I did digital marketing. Like at the time, Google AdWords, Infusionsoft, creating landing pages and eBooks and websites and lead magnets for clients. And so only once I was kind of north of that seventy, eighty thousand dollars 
And did I really have kind of like enough $40 an hour work coming in as a consultant that I could justify paying an assistant at the time? Now, this is a little while ago, so it's gone up a little bit since then, but 15, so one five, $15 an hour for a North American assistant. Uh, my assistant is a former paralegal and she was willing to take a pay cut if it meant she could work from home. And you would not believe the volume of people that will gladly take a pay cut if it means they get to work from home. In fact, it's 96% of Americans wish they could work from home at least part-time. 67% of Americans wish they could work from home full-time. And it is not 67% of jobs out there that offer it. So right now, the whole board is tilted in our favor as entrepreneurs. So I really got my assistant from India and Pakistan and Jamaica and the Philippines. I tried all those countries. And one of my issues of my long list of issues was it was just too early. And so I think the opposite is a more common issue though, is a lot of entrepreneurs wait too long. When you're like about to launch a product and this might be your first $100,000 launch or even $50,000 launch, and you are two weeks away from launch and now you're thinking about getting an assistant, like that is not a good time to slow down (laughs) and think about onboarding someone and making sure they have the right usernames and passwords. Oh my God, not the right time. Like, so most, uh, I was, I was having, uh, I had uh, Ryan Levesque over for dinner here in Austin and we were talking about this with a few other entrepreneurs around the table that, and we all really agreed that the most important first hire a person can get is not a salesperson, is not a technician who's a specialist at Infusionsoft or coding or whatever, but a great assistant allows you to actually duplicate yourself. It's like, you know, when a baby is conceived, there's a sperm in the egg and there's one cell and then it splits into two and then four and then eight and 16. That very first split needs to be you. So now we can take the whole process of surgery, whatever it is that is your business, that the service or the product that you create, and we got to keep you still involved. However, we got to get that bottom 80% of work off your plate. And we do that by splitting you, by getting you a little mini-me. And that mini-me is your assistant, your executive assistant, who can start taking work off your plate. And a lot of entrepreneurs just wait too long. They wait too long and they're too overwhelmed. And they get themselves in a situation where they're crushed by deadlines. They're crushed by sales meetings. They're crushed by marketing responsibilities. They're crushed by dealing with, if they've got an Amazon business or something like dealing with product and inventory and all the rest it's like they're in a straight jacket and there's no wiggle room. There's zero slack in the line for them to be able to then properly hire, onboard, or train an assistant. Why, why do you think so many people do wait so long? They're afraid. So we interviewed 149 entrepreneurs and we asked them, again, the Ryan Levesque, a single most important question, what is your number one frustration or challenge when it comes to getting a great assistant? So we asked that to 149 entrepreneurs You guys, I thought there was going to be dozens and dozens and dozens of different reasons why. I was completely wrong. 98.7% of entrepreneurs had one or many of just six main issues. So we call them the big six. The big six concerns entrepreneurs have with getting an assistant. Number one, far and away, do you have a guess? Do you have a guess of what it might be? They might be British, <laughs> would be my guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, their, their steed may not be the right, the right type. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the number one fear frustration was, I don't know how to let go of control. I don't know how to trust. 
And in second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth place were things like, I don't know what to delegate. I don't know where to get one. I don't know how to make them profitable. I don't have to take the time to train. I don't have to take the time to manage them. All super legitimate, all in the top six, but far and away, the number one was, I'm afraid. I don't know how to release control. I don't know how to trust. And so I did some real deep thinking on what is it that allowed me, especially after being burnt, like I spent about $10,000 on wages and generated no new revenue out of it over the course of my first assistant and the second and third. I mean, there's another few thousand dollars after that. And I got nowhere, you guys. Here's the thing. I would be super interested to know. And, and, and I, my inclination, my gut tells me that this could be the case. And this, this is only based off of sort of surveying one of me. And that would be like, I wonder how many of those people that have those fears to, to take that step have gained those fears because just like you did and just like I did, yep. made huge mistakes yep. in the first time they tried. Do you know what I mean? Like I put off ever hiring anyone in any capacity after the first time of trying to hire a virtual assistant because I was so afraid of that happening again that I, it was easier for me or less painful, let's say, to just go on with myself. I hope that everyone listening can understand from my story so they don't have to go through a similar story. What happened was I burnt out. So I, had, I was working 80 to 100 hour work weeks every single week. This is back in 2010. I was really, I was on the edge. We're talking sleeping only three, four hours a night sometimes. And this was not the corporate 100 hours where it's like, oh, actually an hour was commuting each way and you had an hour lunch break and you know, kicking the can and talking by the water cooler. No, no, no. I would actually start and stop a time when I was actually working and I actually hit a hundred hours of actual work <laughs> in a week. And so I was like right on the edge of exhaustion. And then a handful of really stressful things happened. I lost nearly a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, well, I lost a hundred thousand dollars in the real estate collapse of 2008. So in Canada, it hit a little bit later because I, I was living in Canada. So 2010 or so, nine and 10 is when it hit. Uh, very stressful to lose most of the other people's money, $100,000. And I was scrambling to make money. And I started promoting a speaker who said he could help anyone retire within one year. I thought, oh, that's the timeline that fits for me. So I started promoting the speaker. And he said, hey, Tim, if you really want to kick this thing up to the next notch, you'll spend $20,000 to join me in my accelerated program. I joined it within the first week it became very apparent to me by my by my opinion anyways that it was not going to work and so that was very stressful to now be down 120 and the same mentor ended up uh, his business partner got charged and convicted in a 12 million dollar pseudo ponzi scheme quarter million dollar fine barred from holding securities for 20 years it was in the news and everything and i know some people that lost their whole life savings in that so the stress of all of that combined with the exhaustion of 100 hour work weeks and I developed an illness, you guys. I developed a, a case of erythema nodosum. I still don't really know what it is to this day, but what I know is it made my ankles super puffy. And then it went up into my shins and all these lesions started appearing into my hips and my elbows. And within five days from December 26, 2010 till, this, till New Year's Eve, so December 31st, I went from walking and feeling like it's just another day to I couldn't stand, I couldn't walk. And by the beginning of January, I had to move back in with my parents for full-time care. And I had to choose between getting a sponge bath from my mother or having her flip over a laundry hamper, like a Rubbermaid a laundry hamper in the shower for me to sit on so I could still bathe myself. And in that moment, like that was one of the lowest points of my life. 
And I realized at that point that health is like something that I'd taken for granted. And I realized that I could run around being a frigging hero, John waning my way through life. You know, if it's to be, it's up to me. And like, you know, you know, hashtag respect the grind. And, you know, like I'll just work harder. You know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be like Magic Johnson or Kobe Bryant, you know, last, you know, first in the gym and last to leave. I'll work harder. I'll, I'll out hustle anyone. In that moment, I realized that there are limits to that way of being. And as I was laying there on, on my bed, I was like, oh my God. Like this is not the the fate I was hoping for, and this is not the contribution. And I happened to come across an expression that said, "Hell is meeting the man I could have been." <sighs> so, feeling that hell is meeting the man I could have been, I asked myself, "What is it going to take for me to fulfill my potential in my lifetime on this planet?" And I had already tried getting help, and it didn't work. But you know what? the stakes were too high. I had to dust myself up. I knew if I was ever going to fulfill my potential, I had to get help. The stakes were just too high. And so that's when I courageously went online. I said, no more overseas, $4 an hour, $10 an hour attempts with someone who does not speak my language or whatever. It's time to get serious about being a real entrepreneur that is really committed to building a great team, being a great leader, being good at delegating, being good at onboarding, all of those things that I kind of refused to do because it seemed like too much work. I, and I actually doubled down. And had I not had that shock to my system of being 27, 28 years old, unable to walk, I think I would have continued having that same arms crossed, foot tapping. Well, no, I'm just going to do this myself. I'm not going to bring in any assistant. I'm not going to get screwed again. Like I would have had that same hand on the stove burnt type mentality. But I'll tell you what, if you've touched the stove and you've burnt your hand, you might feel uncomfortable. But if you're standing on a stove, that's the greater pain. And I just didn't want to die at the end of my life feeling like I'd left anything on the table and have a bunch of regrets. And it was that realization that came through my illness that made me say, life is precious. Yeah, I screwed it up, but you know what? I'm going to do it again because life is too precious. And I sincerely hope if anyone gets anything out of this message, it's that they can be inspired by my story so they don't have to push themselves to the same length to learn the same lesson. That is definitely one hell of a story. I, I didn't know that. Well, listen, so Tim, we've got to uh, we've got to wrap this thing up, but I want to make sure that we point people to where they could download that cheat sheet or document or whatever you were talking about earlier. Greatassistant.com forward slash toolbox. And it's greatassistant.com forward slash toolbox. Awesome. So make sure you guys head on over to that URL. Uh, Dean, any uh, any parting shots before we wrap up today? I think this is such a vast subject. I uh, just want to say thanks, Tim. I feel like we could just keep speaking forever. But um, I love the surgeon analogy. I think that says everything. I, I think that's amazing. So thank you so much for sharing all the wisdom. Thanks for the vulnerable story also, Tim, because I think there's a lot of people out there who are putting their lives and health at risk and everything. And it, I know you're all about anti-hustle, right, James? Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, I have a group called Hustle Detox. You know, it's about, you know, focusing on what matters most and prioritizing and, fo- and you know, just being smart about it. And so you don't have to grind your way to death. Make sure you check out Tim's resources. I'm sure they're going to be super valuable. Tim, thanks again so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate having you, man. Thank you. 
Thanks to all listeners. Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe. Tell your friends about the show. We need more than just Dean's mom listening, so please boost our numbers. <laughs> and uh, that's a wrap for us today, and we'll talk with you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.